This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. <laughs> oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak and a huge episode because there have been changes to the coaching staff, which I know all y'all have been waiting for. Ch-ch-ch-chinchilla. Um, what, what is happening anyway? Yes. Fun fact. We recorded a dry run of this podcast prior to the news coming out. Um, because you know, we, we initially were like, well, there's no, there's not going to be any GM press conference today. So we'll record a podcast kind of generically talking about what's going on. And then halfway through it, the news comes down that we were kind of expecting, right? I think anyone who's paying attention was like, they're going to make some changes. Saints are going to make some changes, but how sweeping are they going to be? That's how I phrased it, like midway through the season. Like, changes are coming. The right. question is how sweeping they're going to be. There will be no head coach firing. I've still had people tell me that there's like, oh, maybe Dennis Allen's name is going to be next. No, oh. you do not fire assistants and then fire the head coach. Because if you fire a head coach, all the assistants are going to be gone anyway. Um, or at least most of them. Right. So... In terms of the Saints, three names today. Doesn't mean they're the only three names, but three names today. Offense coordinator Pete Carmichael. That's not a huge surprise, but it's still a major sea change in terms of he's been here for 18 years. He's been the offensive coordinator since, what, 2009? It's wild. Like, now, obviously, the last two years has been different in the sense that he's been the play caller and the lead right. offensive coordinator, which, you know, anytime you're working with Sean Payton, he's the offensive, like, call it what you want. He's in charge of the offense, and Pete is the second in command. It's basically Joe Woods to Dennis Allen now. But Pete Carmichael, no longer the offensive coordinator. Two other names that I was a little bit more surprised by. Now, one is senior offensive assistant Pete Bick, or Bob Bicknell. Sorry, Bob Bicknell, 
who, you know, I, I don't really know much about him. Obviously, exactly. I, I couldn't even tell you exactly what he did, but clearly something wasn't, you know, working there. And then wide receivers coach Cody Burns. That was a little, that's more of a surprise than Pete, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I misread the situation. Like, if we, I did a podcast last week where I said, "Hey, I think that Cody is going to be safe in all this." Clearly not. Clearly, because like again, like we talked about this, Saints are only getting into their evaluations now. Hey, y'all, Jeff Nowak here. Just wanted to drop in a quick note. One of the reasons recording podcasts around this time of year is so annoying is because by the time you post something, it always always seems to be outdated. That's the case here. We talk a lot about Saints running backs coach Joel Thomas in this podcast. We suggest, hey, he might be going somewhere else. And wouldn't you know it, the Giants announced this afternoon after we recorded that they would be hiring him as their new running backs coach. So that will be a fourth staff change. I didn't want to delete the conversations we had about it in here because I think there's good context there. But I did want to let you all know if you're confused, running backs coach Joel Thomas is headed to the Giants. It happened after we recorded this podcast. Thanks y'all for listening. Who dat? Go Saints. Woohoo. For someone to get fired today, that means that, you know, people were complaining. It's like, well, well you got to evaluate during the season. You got to get into the offseason and already know who you're moving on from. Clearly they did. Clearly they knew because, like, you can understand, like, I think. So the way I kind of would look at it is if you were firing a head coach, that would have happened last week. You're firing a coordinator. That happens right now because everything kind of trickles down from that. So I wasn't expecting to see a position coach fired today unless like, like to me, that means that you are putting some of the discontentment in the wide receiver room and, and whatever that was on Cody. It means that you think he lost control of that room to some extent. At least that's how I read it. Because the the broader picture of it is like the you know Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, At Perry, they'll they'll seem to be developing pretty well, right? But then you have Michael Thomas over there sniping people with with passive aggressive tweets, and you're just like, well, something's not going right over there, you know? It might um, just be lyrics, though, bro. I don't know. Uh, well, we'll talk <laughs> about Mike more. We're gonna get into we're gonna use these first two segments to talk about the coaching moves and maybe what's you know, we're gonna talk about the moves that happen in this first segment. What could be next? Who because who, there's still gonna be more moves made. However, how, however sweeping they are, again is the question. We'll talk about that in the second segment. Final segment, we'll get into what we had intended to talk about in the last time we started recording, which is some free agents and who's gonna be up for free agency. And there's 24 names. Michael Thomas is one of them, so. It kind of works in that you, you can we can talk about some of the wide receivers uh, uh, relative to that. Um, but you know what what I mean? What's your what's your kind of initial reaction to to seeing the firings today? Uh, definitely with P. Carmichael Jr. I, I think everybody kind of felt this had to be a move that needed to happen. Uh, we we weren't expecting anything. At least you and I are in that group of not expecting Dennis Allen to get fired in this uh, whole travesty of a season. But there needed to be something different that happened and obviously da is the defensive side of the ball uh while we did see some nice things down the stretch from this offense just really too much inconsistency uh, a lot of question marks even last year going into this year we just uh haven't seen much growth from that side of the football and especially uh the run game really not developing at all uh really curious to see what happens uh shocked that Doug Marone and the offensive line coach, uh, not a part of this, but like you said, the, this, the moves might not be done with this squad just yet. Yeah. Like, again, like we'll, we'll talk about that in the second segment, but I agree. Like there's going to be a lot of questions. And again, 
one of the reasons I'm surprised to see Cody Burns' name on here today is because the evaluation process is just getting started. The team was off last week, or at least the coaching staff, uh, other than Dennis Allen, was off last week. That, that was more right. about Dennis meeting with Mickey and kind of coming up with plans. So again, like for someone to get fired today, that means that that happened right at the beginning of that process. You had already decided by the time the season ended that you were moving on. And and Cody Burns, in particular, his second year coach, came up from Tennessee. You know, like I I think the receiving the receiver room liked him. Like I never got any kind of hint that this there was some kind of discontentment there. But you know, clearly, you know, sometimes it's hard with these position coaches to have a to get a clear idea of how things are going. Um, but yeah, last year you rebuilt the defensive staff and that was kind of the focus of the off season right. is you brought in a new off defensive coordinator and Joe Woods, you brought in a new secondary coach, you know, a new, new defensive line coach, right? Obviously Ryan Nielsen and Chris Richard no longer here. Um, I am interested to see what happens with Chris Richard. I'm sorry, with Ryan Nielsen, um, with the coaching change in Atlanta, because typically when you hire a new coach, they don't keep the coordinators, um, and I would be very, I would be stunned if they hire a Bill Belichick and keep the coordinators, because Bill has his whole his whole tree to pick from, right? Like, why would he go with the guy who's in there? But who knows? I don't know. Um, either way, you know, you you did that last year. You rebuilt the defensive staff last year, and this year it's the offensive staff. And my main criticism is like you should have you should have done this last year. Um, the idea, I think, in keeping keeping Pete was like, okay, well, we can kind of rebuild this, get a quarterback in there, and you know, you'll kind of see this renaissance because you don't want yeah. to change offensive systems and you want to continue to do the things you did with Drew with a guy that you think can replicate that. Now, obviously, that went terribly. Um, you did kind of find ways at the end of the year. You know, the first four games of the year, you didn't crack 20 points. The final six games of the year, you scored 20-plus in all of those games, right? Your final two games of the year, you won 71 to 30. But clearly, that wasn't enough. Clearly, the the, the team looked at that and said, we can replicate that, but there were too many issues around that to to, to keep it going. And and I I've, I said this at the time when they were looking at it last year. It's like I think when you have a defensive head coach, you need kind of a rock star offensive coordinator. You need to look at your offensive coordinator as the head coach of the offense. And and I just I don't think that Pete was ever that guy. Like like I've, I asked a few people, I was like, can you imagine Pete going into a room? With, an, with the offensive players and like reaming them out. And like, can you imagine him raising his voice? I, I don't, I just don't see that. Like, and so when things are going well, I think he could, he's a good game planner. He's a good developmental coach, but I just don't know if he's a guy that I could trust to command a room. And, and that alone was what made me question, you know, the idea to have him as the offensive coordinator. Cause I think you need that. Right. I think you need someone who, who people, will you know if he's if you if you mess up he's gonna call you out on it and you're gonna you know like you know obviously you know you don't need a drill sergeant but you need to you need to split the difference somehow and to me that was the one of one of my bigger bigger gripes and we talk to him every week right like he comes out and does these press conferences and i'm just like you feel bad that. for him it's like a puppy dog yeah for me with pete uh we know that the personality really doesn't seem to jive as a NFL coach and we've seen that you know uh, might be a big reason obviously he didn't really get called for head coaching positions because of his demeanor well right like you would never think of Pete as a head coach no you would never think of Pete as a head coach but he makes sense with Sean and that's why I, I fully expect him to land in Denver 
<laughs> right? Like whether he takes over for for Lombardi, who's the offensive coordinator there now, or just becomes like a senior offensive assistant or whatever. Right. Some kind of role for sure in Denver is ahead of him. I agree. I would be stunned if he doesn't end up in Denver. But it's like that works. Like that combination works. I just don't think that, yes. you know, for the same reason, you would never view him as a head coach candidate. He doesn't make sense as the sole leader of an offense. But, you know, I think, you know, people are going to look immediately at John Gruden. Absolutely. And, you know, that's going to be awkward. But, like, we've the Saints went all in on Deshaun Watson. They clearly, if they think you can help them win, they're going to, you know, you can you can talk, we can criticize it. But I think that if that lawsuit gets sorted out prior to the 2024 season, um, which I don't know, I haven't looked at it lately to see kind of where it is now. If that, yeah. as long as he's not suing the NFL, I think he's going to end up being a prime candidate for them. Yeah, that's definitely obviously the name we've heard batted about the most. And, you know, it was initially, what was it, last week or the week before? It's like, well, they're talking about bringing him in in a senior offensive assistant kind of role. Well, there's that open now and also the offensive coordinator. So it'll be interesting to see if this team really is in on John Gruden. Yeah, and well, so we'll have, yeah, we'll have to see. And and again, you know, it, one of the things that I think is interesting, and and we talk, we could talk about this a little bit in this segment is like, like I said, I view when you have a defensive head coach, right? You need your offensive coordinator to be kind of a rock star, the head coach of the offense. And so, to me, I view firing your offensive coordinator is basically like firing the head coach of your offense. So what, what happens when you fire your head coach, right? You know, like you can't make decisions on the staff until you know who that is, right? Like, like we, we talked about this in the, in the never to be heard previous podcast, but we can get into it. One of the, the things that kind of grossed me out this here, week, right? One of the things that kind of grossed me out this week was the Falcons blocking their special teams coordinator from interviewing with the Giants. The Panthers did the same thing. They blocked their special teams coordinator from interviewing with the Giants. And so to me, that's gross because both of those teams fired their head coaches and they can say, well, we want to keep this guy around. We want to keep Chris Tabor. I don't even know who the Falcons guy is. Like, we want to keep him. But the Falcons are interviewing Bill Belichick. You're telling me that if Bill Belichick said, yeah, I will come coach for you guys, <laughs> and, but I want to bring my own special teams coordinator. And they're like, oh, well, out, we, right? we still got this guy. So you're going to use him. Like, no, if it, like whatever head coach comes in, maybe they'll be fine with that special teams coordinator, but you don't know. There's no way for you to know. So you're holding that guy hostage. And I, and I think like when you're looking at an offensive coordinator, it's not as extreme as that, but it's similar. Like if you bring in an offensive coordinator that you really like, and he says, well, but I want, I want to work with this guy. No, right, I've got my line coach. I've got my wide receivers guy. I've got my tight ends coach. Right. So like, I, I don't think that you can necessarily make a lot of those decisions right now. Yeah. That um, makes sense. And, <laughs> and so, but, so I think like, that's why you make that decision early. Cause now you're, like, you're not going to interview a wide receivers coach until you interview an offensive coordinator. Right. Like you wouldn't hire the wide, like, that's why people were like, well, well maybe they'll still fire DA. I'm like, no, they won't. Cause there's an order with which you need to do things right. Like this, you know, we all had the PEMDAS, right? Like, and like there's an order of operations in firing and hiring <laughs> coaches too. Like if you're going to fire the head coach, you don't fire the offense coordinator first. Um, so yeah, anyway, anyway, like I, I like Pete, I feel like, I, I think, you know, I think Pete was in over his head and I think we could all have looked at that situation two years ago yeah. and probably been like, I think he might be in over his head even before seeing it. Right. 
because the idea was like, well, this was Sean's show. It wasn't Pete's show. It wasn't like Pete was in the background pulling all the strings. Sean was pulling all the strings and Pete was holding the strings. Then you saw it play out. And I think that was pretty clear that that's exactly what it what was the case. And so I think this was a year later than it should have been. And the question now is who do you, who, who can you bring in? Who can be that guy? Uh, Cause it can get worse. Like that's again, like I, I said this during the season, everyone's like, fire this guy, fire this guy, fire this guy. It can be worse. <laughs> it can be worse. So you got to make the right decision now. Um, and that's why like, like firing in midseason didn't make sense either. Like why would that, how would that have been better? You would still be in this exact same position right now. Um, than you as you were midseason if you fired him after like week 10. To me, uh, the the notion that DA is still on the hot seat, you need to throw that out the window. Well, I mean, I think he that. is still on the hot seat. Right, but he's, his job, he's not losing his job going into this offseason. Right, the temperature is going to remain stable. It's cold oh, outside, yeah, it's so still, he's probably like, thank you, keep it. There, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, like, he's probably like feeling pretty good now because it's like 28 degrees outside and his seat is pretty warm. And he's like, oh, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of comfy. <laughs> not really though but yeah i no. mean it, it's squarely now all right year one didn't work year two now clearly this team's going to make some offensive changes and now heading into th- year three there ain't going to be anybody to quote unquote point the, point the finger back at it's going to be dennis allen that's going to be the next one out the door kind of thing yeah right right exactly exactly and and it's like people are annoyed going to be annoyed by this i understand why but you know one of the things that you know i i i did a whole podcast last week about like you just got to be realistic about where you are and i think the saints are being realistic about where they are and you know people say like well they're crazy to not fire their head coach and one, one thing that's like I, I i there's no research arm of this podcast believe it or not you know and i don't feel like doing this research but the only reason i'm not saying that it's never happened is because i'm i'm not willing to take the time to do it so if anyone wants to do it to prove me wrong i i would i would love it if someone wants to do this, because I've been asking people to give me examples of this happening. And to this point, zero, I've gotten zero responses that were even really close. Um, so three qualifiers to, and that they're only three, because that's what the saints are. What you're saying is the obvious thing for the saints to do right now, relative to Dennis Allen would be to fire a head coach in year two, who had his record improve year over year and finish above 500. Right. Now, I will give you the entire history of the NFL to play with. Find me one example of that happening. Not a guy who, you know, went 2-12 and 12 in year one and 4-13 and 13 or whatever. The math doesn't work. You get the idea. Two wins in year one, four years in year two. I think that's Joe Judge, right? Like, that's what happened to Joe Judge. That's a different scenario. If Dennis Allen won four games this year, yeah, fire him in the sun. Um, you know, it's, it's not a guy who coached for 13 years and then got fired at age 72 after a nine and eight season after back-to-back nine and eight seasons, that's not the same. You know, it's not a guy who's 71 and had his and, and won five Super Bowls, but then, you know, had progressively worse seasons each of the last three years. That's not the same. Find me an example of a head coach who just finished year two, had his team's record improve year over year and finished above 500. Find me one example of that happening in the history of the NFL. And I will be like, hey, look, this person did a really good good job of finding this. I'm just curious. Because otherwise, to me, I don't know if it's ever happened. And so, like, that's why I don't look at this and say, well, they're crazy to only be firing the offensive coordinator into trying to find a new thing that fits. 
but it is it, there. There's a tight window, like a like a very narrow window. You're you know needle you're trying to thread here because Derek Carr's not going anywhere. But you got to find an offensive coordinator that can work with him and get it done quick because you're not yeah. going to have the ramp up time. Like no, the, people aren't going to view a new offensive coordinator as an excuse for the first half of this season happening again. No, right. You're you're going to be right back on fan shit list if this team comes out game one and the offense is sluggish and you know it's like it's like a nine six game. God forbid. <laughs> Well, if the offense, I mean, like, because you could you could look at this season and say, yeah, it was a slow burn, but by the end you were burning pretty hot. Right, they were clicking, they were showing signs of life. Yes. Now there's, but but if if you come into next season and you look like you did in week two, week four, week right. six, people aren't going to take that. Like that's the thing. Oh, that's great. We're right like, back to the start again. Yeah, you can't start over. You gotta. And, and and there's reason to think that it's not just the offensive coordinator, right? Like there's Derek more comfortable with. Olave, sure. Rashid, A.T. Perry, Juwan Johnson, Kendra Miller, guys like that. So you're not going to start from scratch with them. It's more just like, can the offense continue to work under somebody new? And so like for that reason, I don't think you're going to bring in someone who's going to completely change the system. So you got to bring in someone that can work within kind of those boundaries that you've already set. Like you're not going to change the entire playbook. But but this is a good question of like, how much of it do you change? Because yeah. this is the first time in the last 20 years that you've had a new playbook in here that you've had someone, an offensive coordinator who wasn't an understudy who, who wasn't Sean Payton or an understudy of Sean Payton. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. And uh, I think that's going to be what determines whether Dennis gets through year three. I really do. Yeah. To me, it's like, all right, uh, year one, whatever year two, we're going to make some changes here for the offense, but year three, there, there's nobody, like I said, to to quote-unquote point that finger at, then your head coach, and then it's like, sorry, Dennis, we tried your way, three years, no such luck, you're, you're out the door. But, I mean, we know this division is pretty weak, so there's still that likelihood again next year we're talking about, oh, the Saints could take the NFC South uh, because, because of uh, what you're looking at. I mean, who knows? Who's coming back for the Buccaneers? Look at the run they're making right now. I don't think anyone expected yeah. that. Yeah. No, I, and and it, though the funny thing is like, yeah, like I can make this argument. It's like year two, blah, 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 blah. You can find dozens of examples of coaches getting fired after year three, including or, or in year yeah. three, even right, including Dennis. Yes. Uh, with the Raiders. Like even, even that terrible tenure made it to year three. Now, <laughs> once you're in year three, I, for, you know, I don't right. know. I don't know if there's like a class that GMs take where they, they kind of like go through, but it's very clear that a lot of them operate the same way in that kind of cycle of like, no, this is like the point where we have given you all of the opportunities that that are fair to give you. Yeah, and then and then that's when the firings start. Um, you hear that so, when they draft players too. You can't really you know decide on a guy until year three. So uh, maybe it's the same thing with coaches, like you mentioned. Well, I just think that like there's a point where it's like you need to give them time to actually implement things, right? Like it, right, it's kind right. of similar to college in that way of like you can't really judge a head coach until he gets his players in, right? And the reason it feels different for the Saints is because DA was there prior, but they're not going to – like that's in terms of hiring and firing a coach. You're not going to – like I've had people tell me that. It was like this is different 
because DA has been around since 20, what, 16, 2017. But like the, the, the front office isn't going to hold his time as a defensive coordinator against him in terms of like, well, you have a shorter lease as a head, a leash as a head coach because you were so successful as a defensive coordinator. Either way, I do think it's, it's, it's something. And, you know, like I, I'm as frustrated as anybody that we have to have these exact same conversations again. What is exciting, though, is obviously there's change coming, and I think it is definitely uh, much needed for this offense. It wasn't working. Um, we like we, we saw those glimpses at the end, but it just wasn't enough overall. And um, yeah, I don't I don't know what kind of input Derek Carr is going to have on this, but I, I know we're going to talk about it more. That's why a guy like John Gruden does make a lot of sense right now. Agreed, and so. Let's wrap up this segment. We're going to come back and record another segment on kind of, okay, what, what's next? What other moves do we think might get made? And, and that sort of thing. This is Inside Black and Gold. I am Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Pete Carmichael. Outski. Start packing. Pack it up, Pete. Get those skis ready. Head over to Aspen. <laughs> That's Colorado. They're both Colorado. You've seen Dumb and Dumber, you? Yeah. We landed on the moon! Anyway, <laughs> that's we're good. We're good. we're gonna go. This is inside black and gold. Stick around. Ooh, hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller alongside myself, Jeff Nowak. And we are talking about coaches, head coaches, assistant coaches. Some of them got fired. Some of them didn't. Some of them might. We'll find out. Pete Carmichael is no longer the offense coordinator. Cody Burns is no longer the wide receivers coach. And Bob Bicknell is no longer doing whatever Bob Bicknell was doing. Have we ever talked to Bob Bicknell? These I doubt these it. assistant roles. It's funny because they have a like a lot of times these offensive assistant roles are specific, but we don't know what they are. Like DJ Williams is like the quarterback's assistant and he works with Derek Carr. You know, he does a bunch of drills and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know what Bob Bicknell was doing. Anyway, he's out. Clearly that didn't work out. Um, you know, and so, you know, people will look at this and and the thing that I need people to realize is, so there were three names fired today. Those are the three names that you got into the off season and you're like, move on. Right. Right. Now you are in an evaluation process where you're going to look at everything. And so I think you're going to end up seeing more coaches moved on from, but there's a chance that you hire an offensive coordinator before you make those final determinations. 
Hey y'all, Jeff Nowak again. Wanted to drop a note in here as well in case anyone happens upon this section of the podcast and did not listen to the first. We talk a lot about running backs coach Joel Thomas in this segment. He has since taken the running backs coach job with the Giants. So that is a fourth roster change. That news came out shortly after we recorded the podcast. Just one of those annoying things about recording podcasts this time of year. So if anyone's confused, this was recorded prior to Joel Thomas leaving, but there's still a lot of good information in there. So I left it in. Thanks y'all for listening. Who dat? Go Saints. Woohoo. For example, just throwing out there, if it's John Gruden and John Gruden says, I want to work with this wide receivers coach, like you're not going to hire a wide receivers coach to work with an offensive coordinator to be named later. Right? Yeah. So then, I, I, I think that's this, the next step. This makes more sense now, too, obviously, of why you're letting someone like Joel Thomas uh, interview for a the same job kind of thing with another team, a lateral yeah, move. We, we kind of alluded to this in terms of Atlanta, where Atlanta and Carolina are blocking right. um, their special teams coordinators from interviewing for the Giants special teams coordinator job. And you can do that for lateral moves. Like this comes up every offseason, it seems like. Particularly, you know, we all had a crash course in what happens when your head coach leaves and tries to poach the entire staff. Um, if it's a lateral move, the team can block it. If it is a an objective promotion, yeah, you can't block it. So if your running backs coach is interviewing to be an offensive coordinator, you couldn't block that. If your assistant GM, which is happening, Kay Harley, Kai Harley and Jeff Ireland are interviewing for GM jobs, you can't block it. Now, the Falcons and the Panthers could block their special teams coordinators for interviewing with the Giants because it's the same position. The Giants also requested to interview Joel Thomas, the Saints running backs coach, for their running backs coach opening. And the Saints did not block it. They could have. They chose right. not to. And so you're looking at this and you're saying, well, why wouldn't they do that? It's like if if you were committed to bringing him back, if you were like, no, we want to keep him, 100% you would have blocked it. It doesn't mean that you are, you've already decided you're going to move on from him, but it does mean that you are okay with the prospect of moving on from him, which in and of itself tells you a lot considering he's a guy that's been here since 2015. And I do think that there, to some level, is this idea that Sean Payton guys are no longer safe in their jobs. Um, it's no longer you've been here forever. It is, are you doing the job that we need you to do now? Um, and I think Joel Thomas very much so could be another name on this list, as could Doug Marone. Um, but, you know, it's like, again, it's going to, I think the offense, the offensive line coach in a lot of ways has got to be kind of an extension of the offensive coordinator. So I think that relationship is going to be important. No, it's very interesting to see what's going to happen now because, yeah, I agree, too, that that number one domino that's got to happen first is who is Dennis Allen going to pick as his new defensive – his offensive coordinator, and then you kind of uh, pick their brain, I'm sure, on what staff members they were interested in bringing in and, you know, hash it out that kind of way. But, yeah, there's not going to be any – there might be some more moves. Maybe, you know, like Joel Thomas takes a job somewhere else. But, yeah, I don't see this team hiring anybody – but the offensive coordinator has got to fall in line, number one. Yeah, I do think the running backs coach is interesting, right? Because you look at it and you say, he's been here since 2015, but that doesn't mean that you know he's the future. It just means that he work, has worked really well with Alvin Kamara. Right. And I, going into this season, that would have probably guaranteed you a job. Of like Alvin Kamara is such a big piece of this offense, and like having his approval alone was probably enough to keep you in that role. You weren't firing Joel Thomas and hiring someone just to just to get younger or to find someone who could develop young players. But now I do think you're in that 
where Alvin, you know, is, is getting up there. He's still an effective player. He's going to be under contract. I don't think that fiscally it makes, it would make any sense to move on from him, but I do think you need to skew younger at the running back position and you need to focus your hiring more on, okay, how does this guy work with Kendra Miller? How does this guy work with a running back that I would expect them to draft? I think you're going to draft another running back in this, this year's draft. And it's just a question of who, um, and, and, and because I, I don't anticipate Jamal Williams being in that role next year um, unless he comes into camp and, and looks like a different guy. Um, so I, I do think that's interesting. And I think that's why when you're considering moving on from a guy, that's, that's where you look at it. Because uh, I don't think it'll make, it'll make Alvin happy. But I also don't think you can make decisions based on these veteran players keeping them happy at the expense of young players developing. Um, and like, for example, you talk about Cody Burns, he's a young guy. He's worked well with the young guys, but I don't, I think that's a good indicator that he maybe lost control of that room. Yeah, that was one element. And I know we talked about, you know, some of the, the coaching, uh, on the offensive side of the football. I didn't think the, the wide receiver room was an issue. The only issue for me has been Michael Thomas and the lack of health. And sadly, uh, we got to see him a little long, longer than I thought, honestly, this season. Uh, but in the end, it was the same, same old Mike T issue. Yeah. And, 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 you know, a lot of these firings are, you know, a lot of these decisions are going to come out of what went wrong this past season and why, when those cracks showed, why were those cracks there? You know, and you know, with, with Mike, with Mike, it's just like, I'm tired of it personally. I'm tired of having to go on Twitter and try to, interpret what the hell he's talking about i'm shazamming um, lyrics to see if that's what it what it is well and like and clear you know and, and clearly he doesn't care in terms of he's willing to just do say anything at any time regardless of what the impact of it might be or like the interpretation of it might be um because it's not like he's saying like he's he's saying these vague things and forcing you to interpret them for him and it's like well maybe he's just tweeting a nipsey hustle lyric or maybe he's actually directing this specifically at one person and i don't know maybe he's upset that they fired cody burns you know but the timing of it would have come out and said like around the same time as like cody might have been texting his right. receiver saying i'm leaving i'm out of a job so maybe i don't know maybe that's what it is maybe he's saying that he really likes cody and but but i don't know that's the annoying thing and he deactivated his twitter account prior to the end of the season it would not shock me at all if there is some sort of social media um, clause in these contracts that says you have to behave yourself on social media or we can, or, or, or we can, you know, find you or whatever. Cause I don't yeah. think it's a coincidence that immediately after that kind of tirade during the lions game, he deactivated his Twitter. And then I don't know, days after the season ended, like, I don't know exactly when it came back, but it was like a matter of hours following the end of the regular season for the saints. And suddenly his account was back online. <laughs> and he's back tweeting stuff that's like questionably about people that you're talking. So I don't know. Like, I, I think that there was a, there was a level to which the, the locker room itself was kind of fracturing and he was not a productive part of that in terms of making sure everyone is on the same page. That's the kindest way I can put it is that, that there were players in the room who were trying to go out and win games and they succeeded toward the end of the season. And there were not players necessarily committed to that. And I think like when you when you look, it's like, okay, why do we need to reshuffle things? Why do we need to start fresh in a lot of ways? I think that's what you're looking at is, is how that situation devolved. 
And and what frustrates me with Mike is, and this is kind of leading into the next segment, we're going to talk about free agents, is this team is bent over backwards for this man. Like, I, I, I understand the frustration and I understand that the things weren't going a certain way and you, 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 you want to vent, you want to do whatever, but like how many games has he played the last three years? Right. How much are you supposed to cater to one person? Yeah. To me, it's, it's been a whole been weird situation just because you hear the stories about, you know, misdiagnosis of injuries and, is that something well, see, I don't put worried. that on him, but yeah, yeah. But I'm saying he's is he blaming the team on that? So there's that kind of bitterness there. And I don't know. Mike definitely was someone who does not like talking to the media, but um I, I'm with you in the fact that I'm tired of your cryptic messages and just tell me what you really mean. I'm try I, I don't want to like try and diagnose and figure out exactly what you're talking about in each tweet. I think Mike is a guy who will ride or die for for the guys he supports in the locker room, and I think that's a majority of the players. Like I think that he's gonna he he's not a guy who's gonna be a bad teammate to you specifically, but he is a guy who's gonna undermine the coaching staff, and I think that's what that's what was happening. And like because you know like he, he and Chris Olave are close. Like I think like there's so many Ohio State guys in this locker room, right? Like right. He's not he's never gonna be the guy who snipes at his teammates, or at least not you know, Derek Carr notwithstanding, right? Like, I think that's kind of where it is. It's like, but you have to be a, either, I think you're a hundred percent in or you're a hundred percent out at least publicly. Right. And when you, when it starts to be the case of like, you're, you're negotiating stuff through the, through social media of things that you believe in, it's like, that's gotta be in the locker room, bud. And if it's not, it's like, whether, whether I agree with what you're saying or not, it's on you because you have turned this into a circus. And and that's why it's frustrating just because like they could have cut like I don't know. Like we we get into and we're gonna get into this next segment, but it, it comes back to this idea of like what is the downside to renegotiating all these contracts and restructuring all these contracts and pushing them down the road? Well, you get into this scenario where probably should have moved on from Mike Thomas after last season. Heck, you probably should have done it two seasons ago. But right. because of the way the contracts are structured, the conversation is no longer just, does it make sense to bring this guy back? It is, does it make sense to bring this guy back at the cost of this? Right, right. And I think that's where you are with Mike Thomas. Because I just don't think he was ever fully on board with, with this coaching staff for, um, you know, and, and, and he's mercurial. And a lot of these wide receivers are mercurial, right? Like you remember in the preseason where he's saying, thank you, Jesus, because they signed Derek Carr. Um, but that, I think like here quick. Yeah. And so this, this is all kind of just, just lumped into the Cody Burns part of it <laughs> of like, uh, you know, I think controlling the situation and, and keeping things on track is a big part of a position coach, right? Like that's part of your job. There's, there's development, there's install, there's game plan, but then there's also just, you know, managing people and leading a group and, in the end, I think that's probably what you're looking at in terms of the wide receiver room is is like it just didn't go well enough enough of the time. Yeah, to me, I mean, I, I, I'm still a little surprised by that one just because we I thought we saw pretty good development from a guy like a, a young guy like A.T. Perry. Obviously, yeah, there, were, there were some scenarios even in game where it's like, oh, my God, what the hell are you doing? But really towards the end of the season when the offense was, you know, picking things up in general up. Uh, Perry Perry was you you've saw a lot of good things from him so yeah interesting with the Cody Burns departure but don't forget 
you know, the first half of the season was just oh, yeah. littered with saying this guy ran the wrong route. This guy ran the wrong yeah. route. There's a mistake here, mistake here, mistake here. You know, why is Chris Olave loafing? Why doesn't he look right. invested? Right. So, I mean, like, while it did go well at the end, you, you could probably point to that and say, well, why wasn't this offense as consistent as it needed to be early in the year? Yeah. So I don't know, but you know, I, I think, People are going to continue to be frustrated. They're going to because because I think a lot of people have decided that it's either Dennis Allen's fired or right. I'm not happy. And and I get it. I understand why you're annoyed with Dennis Allen and why this last two years has been very frustrating. But to me, this was always the question of who are you moving on from? And to it, I, I, it's not going to make everyone happy, but I do think that it had to happen in terms of. You know, you you have to restructure. You know the crazy thing, and I saw this stat. Uh, I can't remember who it is, but the now without now that Pete Carmichael has been fired, the longest tenured offensive coordinator is like been in that job for like five years. Wow! Like it's a quick. It, there's a lot of turnover at offensive coordinator, and in right. some cases, NFL, not for long. That's what they say. Well, but it's funny though because in in most cases, you would say, you know, the reason for that is because if you are a successful offensive coordinator to the point that you will stick in that job for five plus years, you're probably a head coach candidate by the end of it. Right. Like Ben Johnson, right? Like, like he, the Lions would never fire him. Kyle Shanahan, right? Like, like these guys, they, they're never going to get fired. They will inevitably be promoted to head coach somewhere. Right. Uh, and that's why it, it's not necessarily because, you know, guys get fired, but if you're a failure as an offensive coordinator, you usually figure that out before you're five. Um, I just think it's funny. Uh, but like that's that's why it can't be the excuse can't be new offensive coordinator. That's why we struggled because you look around the league and, and guys are succeeding with first year offense coordinators all the time. Um, and uh, yeah, like the, the the one we haven't talked about yet is what happens with Ronald Curry, right? Um, do you just pr- do you promote Ronald Curry? Can you do that? Is that the answer? I don't know. I I feel like you're going to go outside the organization, but then what does that mean for Ronald Curry? Cause he's been right. getting offensive coordinator interviews elsewhere as well. So what do you do with him? What do you do with the quarterbacks coach? Um, that's a good question. And we I'm sure we'll find out. No, like I said, it's now it's like going down the list of, all right, who are legitimate offensive coordinators? You could see Dennis Allen bringing in uh, for this offense. And like I said, obviously number one at the top, we all know, no, it's no secret. It's you know, John Gruden is a name that this team is definitely interested in as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of uh, it's 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 like questions I don't want to like it, it's a it's a scenario I don't want to have to figure out like like when the Browns traded for Deshaun Watson and I was just like, thank God, right? Like, we don't have to don't, deal with that crap. Just, like this, it's just not something I want. Like a, I, I don't like it. Period, and b, it's like from from a stress perspective of having to yeah. navigate that emotionally and and whatever like that's not I, I i was very happy to see him go somewhere else and you know i think we're, we're gonna end it's obviously not as extreme uh in that way as uh as deshaun's situation was but it's still very questionable from a moral perspective of, of yeah. like what you're looking at so that's going to be a bridge we half uh, you know if, if 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 that bridge exists i'll walk across it and figure out how to do that right it's but one of those with, with gruden obviously you don't want to piss off your players or fan base well that's the other thing and that's why you know like yeah i mean, I mean they're not going to worry too much about the fan base 
fan base is already pissed off. How much more <laughs> pissed off could they be? Uh, but they are, they do need to, that is something that I think it, it will be important to, to talk to the players about. And maybe they've already done that. Yeah. He was here. He has, been a, he has been a consultant for the team. Yeah. We talked to Jameis about it when he was here and you know, we, I didn't hear anything from anyone saying like, I didn't, I didn't feel like this was, this was helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so we'll, we'll figure that out. But, uh, again, it's like I think that's a that's another podcast for maybe uh, next week. Is <laughs> here's the here's the offensive coordinators that. Uh, and by then we'll probably have a list of interviews. I was going to say right? maybe maybe we know maybe they got their guy to- too, and they're 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 dotting the eyes and crossing the t's on that. Who knows? I I uh, I'm unlikely. You think there's going to be a long process in this? I don't know about long, but it's not a it's it, I don't think it's going to be a short process. Like the, the, I think the saints are very methodical and again, you got to get this right. Um, Oh yeah. DA knows that for sure. And, and it's like, okay, who, who you got to come up with a pool of candidates. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if the NFL has rules relative to mandatory interviews for offensive coordinator. Cause like, obviously they have like the Rooney rule for head coach. So you, like you couldn't, you know, the Patriots are the only team that I've ever seen just promote somebody and not have it go through any type of interview process. Really? That well, they're weird. like, you know what? Screw it. We're going to promote from within. Annie is a minority. You can't say shit. Well, I do wonder how that process would have gone. If it, if it wasn't, if it wasn't Gerard Mayo, if it was like Josh McDaniel or, you know, yeah, whoever. Yeah, right. Josh McDaniel obviously isn't on that staff, but you, you know, the idea because, because I think there are rules relative to that. Um, and they, that's probably how they were able to circumvent it. So I don't know. It's going to be a whole thing. That's why I hate coaching searches because they're also they're so um, just all over the place, uh, and everyone has an opinion, and and it's so ill informed so much of the time. I, I know definitely. Um, besides Gruden, a big time name that everybody knows that I think is it'll be interesting, and uh. You know, with Washington clearing house, Eric yeah. Bieniemy, obviously, who had been in Kansas City for so long, and they they interviewed him for the head coach job back when they right. did it. Right so there, you go. There's familiarity there. He's from here. Um, yeah, <laughs> and but it is it is always funny to me because it's like you're talking about offense coordinator, and it's like okay, your pool of candidates are people who either don't have that job right now, but you feel like could do that job, or slash a group of people who is not taken in is not getting an opportunity to be a head coach. You know what I mean? Like, like you, you there's this like really narrow pool of P of, of, of a candidates who, you know, maybe it's a former head coach who failed. Like, look at like defensive coordinator, like Dan Quinn, right. Dennis Allen, when he was with the saints, like yeah, exactly. you're kind of like going through the dregs. Like that's why like Arthur Smith, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be a, a huge shock in terms of like, that's, the type of candidate you're looking at is like a lot of times it's guys who got a head coaching job and failed, but are still good offensive coordinators. Like that's how they got the job in the first place. Like Arthur Smith isn't a head coach. If he wasn't a great offensive coordinator for the Titans, Nick Sirianni, another example, like Shane Steichen with the Eagles, right? Now the Eagles suck on offense because he's head coach somewhere else. Well, what happens when Shane Steichen loses 28 games in three seasons? And now he's, back is like oh, he's probably gonna be the head coach of the eagles anyway it's <laughs> it's so it, it's, it's such a weird like a cannibalistic cycle, right? thing of uh i don't know 
Uh, like I want, I, I was like, Hey, Brian Dable gets fired. I want him as my office coordinator right now. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, the, the, the problem with the enemy, the problem, uh, and, and, and this is, I, I truly, truly believe this. The issue with hiring the enemy is going to be that he's going to be in all these head coaching interviews. He gets them every year. So the process is going to get drawn out a lot more because if, if, if he wants to be a head coach, he's going to have to wait them all out. And so he's not going to settle for an offensive coordinator job early on in that process. And how long do you want to wait hmm. into your off season? Yeah. You got to get into draft. You got to start talking about like, Oh, do we need a, do we want a quarterback? And, and, and what sucks is because he is a minority candidate, there's more likelihood teams are just bringing him in to satisfy that Rooney rule too. Yeah. I do think there's probably some discussion to be had about, about how productive that rule is and him. Maybe right. there should be some adjustments. Um, like, it, and, and it's also like, for example, like I've always felt it was strange the whole like comp picks. So if Kai Harley gets hired by the Panthers, the Saints get two comp picks. And I've always thought that was strange because it, it, it's it's meant to incentivize teams to develop minority candidates in front right. offices. And I understand that part of it. But when it comes down to the hiring part of it, if you're equal, if you have two candidates and you feel really good about both of them, and one of them would mean that you give a division rival two third round picks. Right. It's like, what? That's not helping that put like you, the idea of these rules should be to help these candidates. And I think at a certain point it hurts the candidate. Agreed. It's just strange. And, and I don't like, and I do think it's an issue and like the minority hiring needs to be looked at. I just don't know if the current rules are doing, having the intended effect. Although the Falcons didn't care about hiring Terry Fontenot and giving us some picks. Yeah, They're no, like, it, it does happen. Go ahead, it does happen. Go ahead, New Orleans. You'll waste them anyway. But I don't think, like, I just think it's weird because I don't think that the Saints hot promoted Terry Fontenot because, well, one day he might get hired as a head as a GM and we'll get two comp picks. Like, no, I don't right. know how much, like, there should be incentives to promoting minorities into into positions, you know. And but I don't know if that, I just don't know if what exists right now is actually having that Working. effect. Yeah. Um. But I, I mean. Sure, the Saints wouldn't complain if they got two third-round comp picks because those are those are valuable. Um, yeah. Now that doesn't that wouldn't apply to someone like Joel Thomas, or would it? It's only GMs, okay, um, or front office. I, I, I don't, it's not coaches. It does not right, right, okay. head coaches, um, which is another issue, right? You know, like I asked for examples of guys getting fired for 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 like. <laughs> no reason in terms of you got better year over year or you you know you finished with a winning record brian flores well i don't think technically i think he, he's a close example he's not the example but like year three he went nine and eight won like seven of his last eight games and got fired but like that's obviously like he sued the nfl yeah right it's a big <laughs> different scenario well i mean it's not a different it's not hugely it's slightly different but it's not hugely different in the sense that like that firing was so like mal like like mal intended that it was like so obvious that he was it's like and then obviously the the giants part of it if you remember because bill belichick texted brian flores congratulations um and he meant brian dable yeah pretty funny stuff yeah it's weird anyway this this went completely sideways in terms of uh the topics i don't even know where we are right now but saints fired pete carmichael cody burns bob bicknell there's going to be some hirings. We're going to, it's going to be a topic of several podcasts. I am sure. So the only sneaky Pete we have now is Pete Werner. Yes. He can fully accept that nickname. <laughs> the sneaky Pete Werner. That is his now. He owns it. It's his. Do whatever he wants with it. 
But all right, let's wrap up this segment. We're going to come back. I want to go through the, the list of free agents. And, you know, again, like we were talking about the offensive coordinator, I think it's 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 interesting because you're going to be making some decisions on some of these players based on, it's like, look at, you know, when Sean ended up in Denver, all of these free agents that could have been signed suddenly became former Saints, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's going to be something to watch. But all right, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. We will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. Jeff Nowak, Steve Geller. One more segment, and this segment is going to be, you know, I guess we could just push this onto another podcast, but I have the list here, so I just want to go through it. Is the free agents. <laughs> we had initially come on here and intended to make this podcast primarily about free agents, and instead we talked about coaches because Pete Carmichael got fired. But I do think that the free agents and the and the coaching staff are kind of go hand-in-hand hand to some extent. For sure. So there are, are 24 impending free agents. Um there aren't that many big names. Like when you like the Saints already handled Caesar Ruiz with an extension, you know, so you're you're not really looking at stuff like that. But, you know, there's a handful of guys. The the two the most obvious name on here in terms of there's no question whether he comes back is wide receiver Rashid Shaheed. Um, he is an exclusive rights free agent. Now, if you don't know what that means, it means it is a player with fewer than three or crude years in the NFL undrafted um, because if you were drafted, you would have a longer contract anyway. And so there aren't many of these players like the, the CBA, the new CBA has eliminated a majority of these players, but he happens to be one of them because he signed his UDFA deal, but then was put on a practice squad and then re-signed off of that. So it's kind of a strange, it was a two-year deal instead of a three-year deal. So he goes into this free agency cycle as an exclusive rights free agent. But basically what that means is that, if you want to re-sign that player, all you have to do is extend him a qualifying offer, which is a league minimum deal. And if you do that, he cannot sign with anybody else. That's why it's exclusive rights. So the only question with Rashid is whether you want to have him play on that one-year deal right? or find a way to, to agree to something more long-term. I think you would like to do that. But the funny thing is it won't actually help you from a cap perspective to do that because you're not going to pay him more than a, less than a minimum deal. Like his cap hit won't be less than a minimum deal. So it's not like from a cap incentive, there's going to be no, no reason to, to push that early. So I think that's something that you agree to the one year deal with the idea that 
as you get closer to the season, maybe you talk about a longer term extension, but he is, he's going to be back. No question. Yeah, definitely a guy that needs to be too, obviously a huge piece of this offense. All pro baby. And yeah, all pro. There you go as a return man. And everyone knows someone that when he touches that ball, you kind of hold your breath a little because you know, it could, he could go take it to the house as, as Bailey knows too. Yes. As I get licked in the face. Um, Yeah. I mean, you go back to that week 17 game and Jake Camardo was like more than willing to shank the ball out of bounds. (laughs) Rather than right. I mean like that, like, like I don't think he intended to shank the ball out of bounds, but the way he was kicking was, was causing that because he was willing to do anything but kick it to Rashid. And that alone, I mean, is such a big advantage. And like the punt return game is so disincentivized. Um, you know, like the return game in general, you, you can't really just be an impact returner. You have to be able to do other things. And for Rashid, it's like, yes, he can do other things. Like he is an elite over the top receiver who can go, he can also make things happen underneath. I want to see that one of, one of my criticisms of this offense is I don't think you took advantage of him enough, um, in creative ways. Like, obviously you can hit him deep down the field, but did you do enough? Like, did he, I don't, I, I, I think he had like two or three end rounds all year. You know, you didn't see him, you know, used in any creative screen packages or, you know, stuff like that, that you can just get him in space and use that kind of punt return ability. I don't know if you did that enough. So that's my criticism, but either way you're bringing him back. And it's just a question of how you use him. There's only one other exclusive rights free agent. It's PJ Mustifer, who I, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring him back. They actually, he actually played a good bit down the stretch with uh extend that qualifying offer to, and if Malcolm Roach can come back healthy and, and uh, you get him, like, I think you're going to bring Malcolm Roach back. He's also on this list. And maybe PJ is kind of your, your uh, safety net. Um, but I thought, you know, they, they clearly liked him. They brought him in they played him. Not like, like Monty Rice was a guy they got the same day and he never saw a second of time. And he actually is under contract for next season. And I think he gets cut because you're not paying 1.3 million to a guy that you, to your fifth string linebacker. He would be making more than like all your special teams aces. So I, um, either way. So, so PJ is the other exclusive rights free agent. I wouldn't be surprised to see him back. No, that's uh, definitely a depth piece. Um, nothing, you know, obviously not like you said, no huge names uh, really. Uh, but yeah, definitely will be key to uh, boosting up the numbers come training camp. I don't know. Yeah. And so then then there's four restricted free agents. Um, there's fullback Adam Prentice, cornerback Shamar John Charles, wide receiver Lynn Bowden Jr., linebacker Ryan Connolly. Those are guys with three years of accrued NFL experience, which means that you can tender them, right? Like you can give them a first round tender, which means, you know, the, this level of guaranteed contract, it, it varies year to year. I'd have to look it up. Um, none of these guys are going to get a first or second round tender no. uh, or, or even an original round. Like you, maybe you give like a Lynn Bowden, maybe you do the right of first refusal tender, whatever that's called, just which means like you don't even get um, – you wouldn't get any compensation if they were signed by somebody else, but you could have the option to match that offer. I don't think any of these guys jump out. Like you would be fine being without any of them. I don't think anyone's coming after Adam Prentice. I would be like, I think you just kind of let that ride and sign that sign both he and Lynn to league minimum deals next year. Um, 
but yeah, th there's nothing there. Like, again, there's not a lot of intriguing names on this list. Yeah, if anything, uh, Bowden actually, you know, did so you had some positive contributions this year, obviously, but um, I think they yeah. like Lynn. Yeah. Yeah. And no nothing else, though, is like really, oh my gosh, he has to come back kind of thing, um, especially with a guy like Prentice, who we saw this team worked without for so long. And uh, we saw uh, Bink get some play at the fullback position, which I kind of missed. Yeah. No, but they're going to keep a fullback on the roster, yeah. you know, and so like, whether it's on the practice squad or, or whatever. So why not Adam? Right. I, I just assume they'll bring him back. And then, yeah, obviously I like Lynn a lot. I think Lynn, you know, it's, it's useful to have a backup punt returner who can do other things. So right, I, I think you probably bring him back again and whatever his role is, is his role um, going forward. Okay. So then the, the next 12 or so of these are unrestricted free agents. And so I'll, I'll go through the list of guys that, that aren't really that interesting. Yeah. And whether you bring him back or not. So uh, Max Garcia, Keith Kirkwood, wide receiver, Cam Irving, uh, Eno Benjamin, Andrew Dowell, Ty Summers, Trey Turner. You know, these are all guys that are just like, okay. Trey like, Turner, Saints legend. Saints legend, Trey Turner. Uh, yeah, he's what got through two practices? Something like that, right? Maybe. And then he, <laughs> what, he's tore his quad or something. Um, so, yeah, maybe they hang around. Maybe they don't. I don't, I, I'm just looking at these and saying decisions, and I don't see any decisions being made. It's like either you sign them for a league minimum or you don't. You have a 90 man roster. Um, if they get interest elsewhere, you're going to be like, good luck. Right. Basically, those, uh, those names are, you know, adding key pieces for depth issues, especially, I mean, Max Garcia, someone along the offensive line. I don't know what's going to happen with the O line in general, honestly. Yeah, I mean you have depth pieces, but you're you know you're going to kind of rebuild it a little bit, particularly if you move on yeah. from Doug Brown. Uh, you know, like like a guy like Andrew Dow. So Andrew Dow, you know Benjamin Trey Turner didn't play a snap this season because they were hurt. They were on IR right. all year. So I I mean I wouldn't be surprised if you keep. I, I think you will keep Andrew Dow around, whether he makes the roster or not is another question. But you know I don't think they're going to. You know the the benefit of getting hurt when they did, and obviously there's you don't want to get hurt. But if you had to have a season-ending ACL injury, uh, and and we're still intending to play football the next year, having it then in terms of early in camp is, is ideal. <laughs> so you can come back in the next season and have the full runway. Whereas guys who get hurt, you know, like uh, Tyler Higby from the Rams, he tore his ACL in the wild card round of the playoffs. Who knows? He might miss an entire football season. Because Awful, right. like that's the, you know, whether it's however long that recovery takes, definitely not gonna be ready for camp. Um, so that's, that's tough. Uh, especially if you're on a fringe roster guy. Um, so now we're going to get into the more interesting names. Uh, Lonnie Johnson, Ugo Amadi. I think both those guys come back. Um, I think they, they played a key role. Um, you need safety depth. You might draft a young safety or two, and that might, you know, take their spot on the roster. But, you know, I have a whole off-season plan that I wanted to get into after Mickey Loomis talked because I want to hear what he say, has to does say. Any, does it involve any of those guys in the nickel role? Well, that's what I was going to say is like <laughs> you're going to need someone to play nickel. And right now, Ugo is your best option. Right. Because I think you're going to uh, I think you're gonna end up seeing Alante Taylor on the outside next year. Please. And so you're going to have to find somebody. And I wouldn't hate going and drafting, you know, one of your – if you put some premium draft asset on the top nickel corner in the draft. Which Who do you like best in this draft? To play nickel, go get right. it. 
whether it's like a TJ Tampa, which I just think is funny because it's just a name that, that that is funny uh, in the NFC South. I don't know, but that's kind of how I'm looking at it. And I think having Ugo, a guy who can play safety and can play nickel, that's who you want. So, yeah, I, I think the flexibility of he and Lonnie uh, would make sense. Those guys are free agents. You know, Cam Irving, I think you're going to you're maybe bring him back on the practice squad. Jonathan Abram, wouldn't be surprised to see him back, another veteran. Um, Jimmy Graham, I think, is going to retire. And uh, yeah, what do you think about those guys? Uh, the yeah, the Jimmy Graham saga. We and if folks didn't see, he tweeted out him flying in his airplane, gave a thank you New Orleans. Uh, definitely felt like a final goodbye. I don't anticipate him coming back, and really don't see a point in it either. Is um, it illegal to 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 text and fly? Is that is that against the laws? Is there can you get like a ticket for that? <laughs> he had an autopilot at the, at the time. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he waited until he landed. It's possible. Yeah, yeah but uh, as for anybody else there, yeah, there's nothing really uh, that's going to make or break the, the roster. Uh, certainly, you want you want to have, again, talking about de- pieces for depth kind of thing, but I don't think there's anybody that you mentioned as a whole that's like, oh, man, he's a must to come back. No, no. So, uh, okay, there's, there's a couple that are going to be interesting to me. One is cornerback Isaac Yadam. I think he had a great year. Um, the question is going to be how much how much money did he earn right. on the free agent market, A, and how much can you afford to spend on him, B? You know, and, and I would love to see him back. I think Joe Woods would love to see him back. The, you know, they go all the way to the Senior Bowl. Joe was a, the defensive coordinator for the Broncos when they drafted him in the third round. Um, but, you know, he is going to get looks from teams that want to play you know, physical man-to-man cover corner because they just aren't that many of them. And the Saints signed him to a one-year, $1 million contract. Like there's only so, the, like you, you're, we're going to go through in a, in a, you know, maybe maybe on Thursday we can go through like, you know, all the restructures that have to happen. The Saints are $87 million over the salary cap. So like there is going to be a line item for your third or fourth string cornerback and how much you can afford to spend on that player. Right. And I just don't know if it's going to be there because you're not going to be able to bring him back for one year, one million. I can tell you that much. Um, but he did play really well. Hopefully it's one of those things where he recognizes he's just the right fit for this scheme. I, I don't know, but I could see a lot of teams come a calling for a guy like that, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Th- that would be the the one reason that he might come back is like, I think I fit here and they right. know how to use me. And maybe they do give him a raise. Maybe it's, you know, you two year, three million or something like that. Right. With some with some guaranteed, maybe a couple of incentives, bonuses baked in. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's probably unlikely because I think you are going to go draft somebody. Um, the other guy that that I, this time last year, I would have been like, OK, he's gone at the end of the season. Now I'm not so sure is linebacker Zach Vaughn, because now I think you look at it and you say, OK, he's a core special teamer. Yep. And that's always going to be the case. He is our Sam linebacker and he can and he can do that role as well as anybody. You know, it's not a role that you use that much, but he can do it. And he's suddenly this really valuable situational pass rusher who, yeah. uh, you know, made things miserable on de- on offenses in the final month and a half of the season. And there's no reason that you cannot continue to use him that way. So now it's like, okay, how much, you know, what what is a reasonable contract for that? Because I think, you know, you have a budget for special teams. You have a budget for linebacker. You have a budget for, defensive line and now you can pull from all three of those and maybe give him a you know i don't know two year 
eight million dollar contract, something like that. And then the question becomes, what interest does he get elsewhere? And that's where you might, you know, a three four team where, yeah, you know, he makes more sense on maybe comes and gets him. But I think if you're the Saints, you suddenly are like, wow, I, now now we actually have a real vision for this guy. Um, and why not? Why not bring him back? Like if you could get Caden and like if you could have got Caden back on the type of deal that you'd probably be able to get Zach back for, I think you probably would have done it. So you, you mentioned with Caden, and that's actually someone like Atlanta and Ryan Nielsen, obviously connections, connect the dots kind of thing. I'd be interested to see if Atlanta comes to call in and they, they try and get someone like Bond in their lineup. I don't think so. Because I don't think I don't think Bond had as much of a explosive year, obviously, like Caden did his final season in New Orleans to get some attention. They're, they're different players. Yeah, yeah, for Kaden, sure. Caden can play Will uh, and and Mike. Zach can't cover. So that's why his role has always been very stifled yeah. in terms of it's like, yeah, if he's only your Sam linebacker and a special teams ace, that's a much more difficult scenario of like, how much are you going to pay him? But now it's like, well, if he can also be that pass rusher and you're going to be committed to using him in that role, he could always have done that. They finally decided to use him and that's why he has value there. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Either way, I think that's a role that you should continue. If you if you lose Zach or you don't re-sign Zach, I think you should go out and get a player who can play Sam and rush the passer. There's a lot of college kids who can do that. Can't, can't have enough of them pass rushers. <laughs> nope. Uh, especially because Peyton Turner can only get through two games every season. Anyway, um, so that's it. Those are, that's all of the free agents. Uh and so again, it's not a huge list. Like I think the no, only questions you're really looking at are Isaac Yadam and Zach Bond in terms of do you offer them more than the minimum? Uh, and I think either either one you could convince me that it's worth it. Um three contracts that are a little more questionable. All three void. Line left tackle, left guard Andres Pete. Yeah. Wide receiver Michael Thomas, quarterback Jameis Winston. These are all the, the void contracts. Jameis, you know, both Mike Thomas and Jameis, I think. It's really not a mystery. I think both of those guys are moving on. I was going to um, say, I like one of the three to come back. Yeah, and uh, but it's not going to be soon. I think both of those guys, the way you have their contracts set up, they are set for post-June 1 releases, and there's a lot of convoluted reasons why, just right. financially speaking, it just gives you options. And But I think that it's, a, it's an inevitability that both of those guys end up released for reasons that should not be difficult to explain. Um, you know, like, uh, I, you, you could also bring them back and extend like, like Mike Thomas, for example, like you could extend and maybe push back that dead cap hit and whatever. I don't think you're going to do it. I think this is the year you cut bait. You have Jay Kaner. You spent a year. If he can't be the backup quarterback next year, cut him. Cause why is he here? Right? So there's no sense in bringing Jameis back. Uh, Mike is a different question in terms of he was still a productive player when he was healthy. That's the only reason that's more of a question for me, but like, I just can't, I, I don't, I, I don't know if I can trust him to have 10 toes down and, and support, like not undermine the coaching staff. Like we talked about in the last segment. Um, so I think that kind of makes that decision for you and you just bite the bullet on the contract and, and move on. Andres Pete, meanwhile, that's another That's one of the like, one I think fans are going to go bazonkers over because he could potentially and most likely get another deal from this team. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think I think people have come around on Andres. <laughs> I really do. Uh, in terms of like, now you're looking at a guy who you can reliably say could play left tackle or left guard. Um, I don't think you're going to give him a big contract. I think it's going to be relative to the market. You know, if 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 he has people clamoring to sign him, which maybe they will be, then yeah, I don't know if you can afford him. Right. Uh, but that's crazy uh, to think about, isn't that? Isn't that? Can you imagine this conversation this time last year? Um, so that's going to be interesting. But you know, like left the, the left tackle position is going to be a huge question all off season. Do you go draft a guy? Do you sign a guy? What like I right because yeah, so it, it's hard to have saying oh. Well, this this is the off season they're going to develop Trevor Penning. Is it though? Uh, there's there's definitely nothing that gives you any kind of confidence that can happen. No, no, it's tough. Um, but we'll we'll see. But either way, I think le- le- he's one of the. F- I think on this list of players, the only ones that you're going to look at and say like, can we re-sign them with a more than minimum deal? And it would make sense to do Isaac Adam, Zach Bond, Andres Pete, maybe Ugoma. Um, couple more that we'll mention. So linebacker Monty Rice, I think he's a cut because he's due to make one point three million dollars next year, and because he's not, he's still on his rookie deal. It's the final year of his rookie deal. It's not guaranteed. So, like, even if you wanted to keep Monty Rice, you would cut him and maybe re-sign him to a lesser deal or ask him to take a pay cut because you're not paying him one point three million in that role. He's a third round pick, so that's why he's making that much. Um, so. I think it's like, hey, Monty, we're going to reduce you to the league minimum or you're going to be uh, free agent. What do you right. want? Pick, pick one. If you can go find a contract for more, great. Otherwise, Just we will resign right. you to the league minimum. And like, that's what I, that's what I would do. I'd be like, Monty, you can either agree to this now or we will cut you and let you test the market. And if you want that league minimum deal, come on back. <laughs> that's what I would do. Anyway, because they brought him in. They, they, they claimed him on waivers. There's a reason they did that. Um, but I don't think you're gonna you're you're gonna keep a guy who you didn't bother playing this year for one point three. Anyway, uh, we'll we'll see. The other guys contract year, right? Peyton Turner, baby, uh, mm. fifth year option. Uh, Hell no, not doing it. Uh, not even not doing it. Not gonna do it. He could have gone out in week eighteen and had ten sacks, and I don't think they would have signed him. They would have. Uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. That fifth year option. Um, but he is going into his fourth season. Like you're not cutting him. You're just hoping that maybe <laughs> against all odds, he can stay healthy. And the funny thing is like, if you're looking for cap relief mm-hmm. and you can just be like, we can just extend him now. And cause like, here's the thing his not, his value knock is not going to get any lower. No, than it is. you're right there. It's only going to get higher. If he goes out and, and plays 12 games and get six sacks, you know, like you could probably, you know, cause I just think from, from a security perspective in terms of like, I don't know, maybe it's just easier for a guy to go out and not be playing in a contract year. Um, so maybe I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying like, it's not off the table of like extending him, but it would be so funny if they did the reaction, if they gave him like a, like a two year, $8 million contract just to get him past the rookie deal. <laughs> like a non-guaranteed <laughs> like oh my god anyway um i don't think it's gonna happen but it's it's something that i think you probably look at and consider uh cornerback paulson adebo now this is the one i expect to get done in camp this is going to be the my priority is extending paulson adebo 
Right. Um, beyond that, Pete Warner, another guy who that's going to be priority too, is extending both of those guys. I want to sign both of those guys to extensions prior to the season starting. Yeah. Um, I guess someone like uh Passigno, he's not a free agent coming up, obviously. I don't think so, no. Okay. No, he was just one of the names in the rotation when you know, talking about Pratt's rush that I, I was not concerned about, but I was thinking he was in the final year, but I guess that's not the case. I mean, he he's, I guess maybe he is. Uh, let's see. I mean, these are not all of the players going into contract years. Okay. But they're the players that I care about, right? <laughs> so Passigno, yeah, he's he signed a two-year, $5 million deal. So yeah, he'll be going into his final year, but okay. it's like, uh, I'm not thinking about extending him prior to that right Understood, like yeah if he gets to the offseason and merits another contract i'll sign him to another contract for him, right, like yeah. Williams treatment, right but but i'm not like like for these guys i'm talking about contract years and guys that i should have been more specific probably just guys that i'm no, no, i right. don't want to let play throughout their contract year because i want to keep them around um a couple more guys linebacker pete i'm sorry linebacker demario davis going into a final year i think you're going to extend him and push back that cap hit. Uh, safety Tyron Matthew is a big, as more of a question. I think he probably do, um, and it would annoy people because he's he's probably a little longer in the tooth than most people want. But he's still playing at a high level, and I want to keep him around. Uh, big time vocal leader. You want to you know pay for that voice in the locker room. It's it'll be curious to see how much you know. Obviously, he is willing to take to stay in New Orleans. I know he wants to be here. Everyone does. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I think it'll probably be a hometown deal. Right. Um, the only other one that's interesting to me is uh, Juwan Johnson. So you signed him last year to that two year deal. He did not really deliver. Um, so I, I think you're probably going to let him play out this contract year and see what happens. I would be surprised if they do anything with this deal. They might restructure it, but I don't think you extend it. Um, this offseason unless you're desperate to get some cap relief, which I don't think you will be because um, his deal is not that significant. Uh, Hopefully the Juwan we saw in training camp is the, the guy we can see again because um, – and, yeah, well, you know what? That was another person that kind of turned things up at the end of the season. What was it, like three straight games he had a TD? Yeah, no, no, he played well at the end of the year. Um, and whether it's health – It's just the beginning you know, and middle part where you need him. Yes. Like, then, like, and I'm talking about this in the sense of like, do I sign into an extension before the year starts? Yeah. Or do I let him play it out? And I think you let him play it out and hope that the, the Juwan you saw at the end of the year is the Juwan you get all year. Um, but we'll see. But that's what a it. wonderful that's world that list. would be. That's the end of my free agent list. That's the end of this podcast, I think. Unless you have anything else you want to get into. No, man, just waiting now, like I uh, said, we were talking about, it's like, what's going to happen with offensive coordinators going to be the big buzz now. Everyone's going to be generating the list of names the Saints could possibly be bringing in. Yeah, yeah, and then that's going to be conversations, and, and it's going to be a blast. Um, but So we're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, I expect Mickey will talk on Wednesday. Correct, so right. our next podcast, I'll have more from Mickey. So we'll probably get into more about what he says regarding Pete Carmichael, assuming he does, unless it's too emotional for him. Um, that's an inside joke. I was gonna say it's a little jab right there. <laughs> still kind of still waiting on that Sean Payton uh, interview. Uh, never he's happened. Just, he's too choked too up to talk about it, Jeff. Too much. <laughs> Two years later. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, so we'll get into that. But this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Hit us up on YouTube at WWL Sports. Uh, check out the latest news notes analysis at WWL.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller. WWL. It's cold. My dog's in a sweater. That's how cold it is. Does Pupper still want to go outside or she's like, hell no. She hasn't been bugging me. <laughs> so probably not. Usually I take her out around noon. It's past noon. So I don't want to go outside. So Yeah, I took the doggo out, obviously, and it was like, you know, he was ready to get back inside. I'm like, let's do it. I'm not staying out here either. Yeah, unpleasant. Unpleasant. <laughs> but all right. Who that? Go Saints. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back at you later in the week. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully Hopefully the Saints still exist by then. Who that, folks? All right, y'all. Be easy. Peace.